Wow, thank you so much for your sponsors. By the way, this is the, believe it or not, this is the last Zoom class of this year. So it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And today we have an unbelievable guest, Jaime Mann. Jaime Mann, we've known each other, Jaime, for what, 10 years? Uh, About five, 10 years, 10 years, well, something like that. Yeah. And Jaime used to come to the Breslau Center before COVID, and he used to give classes there. This is before I started giving classes. And I really, really got inspired by Jaime's teachings and style. His style is very similar to mine. We have a very similar style. Jaime's a businessman, yet he teaches Torah. His specialty is Rav Nachman stories. And he's got a lot, a lot of wisdom. And, you know, one of the things Rav Nachman advises us is to always, always share perspectives between each other. And I am really jealous of your community in Montreal. I don't want to live in Montreal, obviously, because of the weather. But your community is, is phenomenal. And, and the group of guys that you guys have, you know, you guys have an amazing group, Richard and, and your brothers and, and everybody. It's just warm, Moroccan, full of life. And I, I, and I love going to Uman every year, God willing, and dancing with you guys. I specifically always pray with you guys. And it's so much fun. It's so much, so much fun. You guys are, are great. So I mean, the purpose of today's class is I want, can you hear me? Good. Yeah. I want, I want, I want to give people different perspectives on, on just on life. And uh, we'll talk about Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to ask you, how do you bring Rab Nachman into your business? How do you bring Rab Nachman into your marriage? How do you bring Rab Nachman into everything? Because the whole key, we want to show people that this is not just, uh, we're not reading books here. We're living these, we're living this all day long. And I never forget, Jaime, I think two years ago, you were, you were very badly injured, right? Was that two years ago? Yeah, about two years and ago. Two years ago. And I, I never forgot that. And I remember texting you. And I believe at that time you, you, you fell off a, a mountain or something in Montreal. Yeah. And, and in your, 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 I think you broke bones, et cetera. And I asked you, Jaime, how are you doing? And you answered, right now I'm in Bittal. <laughs> and and I, I felt you. I felt, I felt the Bittal. I felt you, the Bittal. And like, you know, the mindset for a person to all of a sudden get injured and, and be in, in a hospital bed and, and, and still cling to Hashem at that moment. It's, a, it's an unbelievable mindset. It's something that it's beyond, beyond, beyond. So Jaime, first I wanna, I wanna, I wanna first say, how, what has what is Rav Nachman done for you? How do you use it practically? The key list, obviously a lot of people here are, they've been listening to classes for years, but I want more important practical advice on how you use Rav Nachman's teachings in your life. Well, you know, I, I kind of knew you were going to ask me this question, and I was thinking to myself, I mean, there's so much that he's taught me, and he's transformed my life completely since the, the day I met him, and uh, since the day I've been uh, learning his teachings. And um, it's a hard question, because practically everything, every aspect of my life has been impacted by every single lesson. Um, right. I think, I think if I had to choose one or two, uh, one lesson that covers a lot of the Likutei Moran that I, I, could, I could truly say that changed my life is um, the tool that he gave us and the ability to um, to create our destiny, basically, to influence our outcome out of life. And um, to know that your simcha 
and your well-being could be practically in your hands if you choose to uh, is uh, incredible. It's empowering. And when you start using his tools and you see that you can change your life around and you can bring blessing to yourself, uh, it's a game changer. And sometimes I see my, you know, the people around me, some of them suffering uh, tremendously. And it, all it takes is a few, uh, a, a few pieces of advice and it changes everything. So the number one lesson is that it's all happening up here. That's where it's happening. It's in the mind. Um, once you once you, uh, you you realize that your your thoughts and uh, your belief your 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 system of belief and your convictions can uh, can can directly influence and impact your the reality around you, then you realize that you have to be very careful about what you think of and or, and how you think because that's going to make a major impact in your life. So um, once the process starts, then uh, you, you realize that there's a lot of thoughts that go through a person's mind and we get attacked constantly with negative thoughts. And if we have the right tools, we know how to push them away and we know what we need to concentrate in, on and focus on. You know, most of the obstacles that we live through in our lives are just mental barriers. So again, right. it's all in the mind. Um, there is tremendous, tremendous uh, judgment that's happening inside our mind. We, mm. we, we, we are constantly judging ourselves. We're judging others. Uh, the way we look at others and most importantly, the way we look at, it, at ourselves also has a, a tremendous influence. So all these things need to be dealt with. And I think Rabbi Nachman, especially when it comes to the guilt that consumes right. him, uh, he, uh, he, he's, he's a great doctor in that sense. Right. The doctor of the soul. You know, he, he the, the, name, the name Nachman means uh, consoling, consoler. He's the consoler. And I think we right. all consoling because uh, we have a lot of harshness, and once mm -hmm. you know where it's coming from, you know where you know where to, to deal with it. So yeah, the, the the number one place would be uh, starting with the mind, and I think it's very relevant with Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is yeah. uh, is dealing with the, with the Rosh, and um, Rabbi Nachman understood right away that the first place we need to work on. Is is on the rosh, and I think he made it his thing to to start from there, because he knows that once we we fix the mind, we fix the the, the mind frame, uh, everything just follows. Right, beautiful. That you know, it's funny. That's one of the things that we're we're trying to go to Uman is we're promised when we go to Uman that we get a new mind, we get we get new perspectives of holiness, we get a new mind way of thinking. And that's why, you know, you, you could see what people do to get, they get facelifts, they get this lift, they get that lift. You know, plastic surgery today is a huge business. Yeah. But when we, what we actually get when we go to Uman is we actually get a new perspective of life. And if we get that new perspective of life, then obviously we could share that, 
that perspective with all of you guys. And that's exactly, it's not even about going there, where can I pray, where can I not pray? We, we go there because we, we, we need that new perspective. You know, in, imagine 2020, going into 2021 with a 2020 mentality. I mean, you're done. You're done. You almost need to go to, you already need to come up with a new perspective already to deal with 2020. So what I'm mean saying is, is that, you know, nothing, nobody can take away your happiness from you because at the end of the day, our perspectives are everything. Our perspective makes everything. You know, Jaime, one of the things that I, specifically in Elul, when I was speaking before, how Elul feels like a washing machine. We know everybody who's in Ramnaka's teachings, we know that Elul is a, a time of ups and downs. It literally feels like you're in a washing machine. You're getting thrown all over the place. You feel great. You can't even move. You're confused. You have clarity. It just feels like you're literally getting thrown absolutely all over the place. But the whole purpose of Elul really, as we know, we get cleansed. Even we get phys- even we get verbally abused. On, uh, it's known in, in Elul that, you know, people get people will test you and they'll verbally abuse you and they'll tell you things that like, how in the world is this person talking to me like that? And that's how we get to the ultimate levels of cleansing. But the most important what you were saying is is to be embarrassed by the way I was speaking about yesterday. According to the, my perspective of life yesterday, and according to what I know today, that embarrassment of what I was thinking about yesterday, that is really the key to growth. And that's one of the things that Rabbi Nachman really showed me, that if I'm embarrassed about how was I thinking this way, that, is what, that shows me I'm growing. It's not like you're hitting, you're hitting goals and you're hitting this. No, it's the fact that you can, you can see, oh my God, how in the world, why did I take that situation personal? Or why did I judge that person? How how was I how was I judging God on, on this on this particular case when things worked out for me? And I think that was, that's one of the things that really helped me helped me the most. That I'm constantly embarrassed for yesterday's knowledge. Yeah. So uh, the, the, like you mentioned something, you said uh, the reason we go to Uman is because we we we're, we're gonna receive this new uh, perspective. Um, I think Rosh Hashanah itself, whether we're going to be in Uman or not, uh, is going to, we, there's an opportunity here to reset our mind. Um, yeah. Abin Ahmed talks about it in Lesson 211. He says that um, uh, the ingredient here to reset the mind is to be able to connect to the tzaddik. When you connect to the tzaddik and you travel to him, um, he's going to help you reset your machshava, your train of thought. Right. And People ask me, so, you know, I can't travel to the tzaddik. So there is traveling to the tzaddik physically. There's also a spiritual travel where once you decide to engage with the tzaddik and the tzaddik's lessons, that's called, in a kind of way, traveling towards him. Um, Everything that he says, you have to take at face value and believe that when he gives you a definition, that is the definition. Um, the, 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 the first advice would be to, in order to get this new mind is to, first of all, remove any precondition that you have, uh, remove all your references. You need to clear your mind and say, okay, I'm ready to learn something new. I know nothing and let the, the tzaddik give you the definition. So everything he tells you, whether it be a definition on shalom, you know, we look at shalom. I don't know what shalom is, but Rabbi Nachman said that shalom is uniting two opposites. 
So now that becomes my mm -hmm. reference and so on and so forth. So that I think the number one thing is to be able to become a vessel, to be able to receive. And <clears throat> now you can start now receiving this new mind, this new perspective, this new mind frame, and see how it influences everything around you in your lifetime. Um, mm -hmm. To give a little bit more of a practical example, because um, Rabbi Nachman touched, touches this in lesson 87. It's a, actually a very, it's a small uh, lesson, but it's, uh, it's very deep. He actually says that there are two mind frames. There's one mind frame that, um, that uh, it's, it's a level of consciousness that uh, is actually motivated by uh, reward and punishment, basically. And he calls this level uh, not a very lofty level. It's a, it's a lower level. And he goes deep in the mind of the person and is able to break down uh, the two levels of consciousness that you can have. One that will bring you to one path and the other is going to bring you to a completely different path. So the level which he calls Yerata Onesh, he actually calls it Yerata Onesh, which is the mm -hmm. fear of punishment. Fear of punishment. Really what it does is that you, you, get, you get like trapped into a, a, a system where everything in your life is about uh, consequence. You know, you're a good boy, you get a, you get a, a right. you're, you're, you're not a good boy, you, you get the opposite. And then the, the issue with that is that when everything is good and you, you're a good boy, then uh, perfect, you know, you, you merit, and you know, everything is uh, hunky-dory. But when things are not going your way, then what do you do? Where are you gonna, where are you gonna rest? Where, what are you gonna do? So, I mean, Ahmad says, if you get locked into this Yerata Onish, then everything in your life is something that has to do with cause and effect. So you do something, you get something. You don't, right. you don't, you don't get. And that's a very dangerous state of mind. Uh, sure. He, he believes that everybody should start there. Everybody should have this level of consciousness where, you know, I fear, you know, and I'd like to know that there is justice. And then when God, you know, rewards and punishes, no problem. But he, he, he considers this kind of like kindergarten. Then he tells you, you need to graduate and go to the next level and never a next mm -hmm. level of mind frame, which is not based on, uh, on, on, on just reward. Because I have to tell you something, when you're in that mind frame, then you don't believe too much in what Rabbi Nachman calls matanat chinam, which is a free gift. You don't believe in what, what he calls rachamim. Rachamim means that independent to the fact that you deserve or you don't deserve, Hashem can still provide. And we need that in our lives. We need those rachamim. Rabbi Nachman says, everybody is looking for rachamim. Everybody needs rachamim. However, if we're just locked into this yirata onesh, where everything that we do, we, we expect God to give us something back, then uh, we, get, uh, we get cornered. Because one day we won't have enough to give back and we'll need help. And if all my mind frame is based on uh, what I can give and what I can get back, then one day right. you won't have the answers. So he, he, he goes on to say that you need to graduate 
to the next level, which is called Yerata Romimut, he calls it actually emuna. It's a mind frame based on emuna, which has nothing to do with any consequence or anything that has to do with cause and effect, it has to do with unconditional love, which is rooted in the, um, is, it's all rooted in, in the tree of life. Because you have to know something, we always have two choices. We either have the choice that he calls uh, a mind frame of the sick days of the week, which are rooted in the tree of uh, knowledge, good and bad. And then we have the tree of life that is rooted in Shabbat. So it's, a, it's kind of like a, a mind frame that is connected to Shabbat and a mind frame that's connected to the six days of the week. Um, the beauty of Shabbat is that all we do is we just, we enjoy. And um, Rabbi Nachman wants very much that we get into a mode that not everything needs to be deserved. Not everything needs to be merited. Sometimes God can give you, can wink and give you something out of left field. And when you believe in that Rachamim, when you believe in the Rachamim, then you attract it towards you. But you need to believe in it. Um, so this takes, it takes a, a lifetime to get into that mind frame, but uh, the benefits are incredible. Uh, and uh, basically, it, 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 you realize that um, um, when you call out to Hashem right. and you don't get into the, you know, the tit for tat, you know, if I do, for if I do this, you know, I have right. a money. He says, you know, um, it's funny. I didn't show up for the the minion this morning, and uh, you know, uh, the cops uh, pulled me over, and I knew this right, was going right. to happen. He kind of set himself up, and that's the danger in it. Is because when you start going into yeah. that mind frame of reward and punishment, what you're doing is you're just setting up your destiny. And then the right. worst is that when you actually get something negative that happens, it becomes your conviction because now you're like, I knew this was going to happen. And all you're doing is like uh, reinforcing uh, your, uh, your, 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 your belief system. And that's very, very dangerous. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, that's the way I originally started getting into Rabbi Nachman. It was, I felt a little bit when I started praying, it was a little bit like a video game. And it was a lot of prayer with expectation. And, and if I didn't have a good day, you're right. I would feel that, oh my, what am I doing wrong or self-persecution? And I never forget, I was so burnt out because I'm like, I, I don't understand. I'm waking up at two o'clock in the morning and this is the kind of day I have. <laughs> if I'm waking up at two o'clock in the morning and I'm having a day like this, I can't even imagine what it is. To... So what happens is I was really, I was, it was too much of a video game. And I think a lot of the people lose, lose the, the, the relationship with our creator because they're too focusing on the video game and they're focusing too much on the results and the, and the am I gaining? So one of the biggest advices I've told people is whatever you're going to do, do it and get your mind out of the scoreboard. Just pull away, divorce yourself from any scoreboard watching. If you, for example, marriage, do something and then pull away. Don't we always, we always want that, you know, that FedEx package right after. We always want something right after we do something. And that was one of the biggest things I learned that changed my life was do it and get out of the way. 
because otherwise we, you do get into that video game religion. And this is why a lot of people, they religion, I always tell people religion will not change your life, but spirituality will. When you get too much religion without emunah, then you just have A equals B. And, and if you don't do it, you're going to get punished. And you lose the whole relationship. You lose everything. And, and unfortunately, believe it or not, you know, I, I have I have addiction centers, and you see how did these kids, Hasidic kids, end up in my detox? How did these guys end up? How did these guys from here and and they went to yeshiva, they went to this because they had they had the Torah, but they didn't have emuna, they didn't have emuna, and I think Rabbi Nachman is teaching us the other way: first emuna, then everything else will come to you, because then, then then everything comes to life. Because if it doesn't come to life, what good is it? You know. So I want, tell me a little bit, Heidi. Tell me, tell me a little bit how how you use Reb Nachman's teaching in your marriage. Obviously, we're both married to Moroccans, right? And and one of these things about that I've learned from Reb Nachman, again, my perspective—not that I know anything—is being being quiet and silent, not answering back, which is one of the hardest things for for me to do. And I feel like I've, it, it's just so hard because all you want to do is say, what are you talking about? You're wrong. But where is the, the, the defensiveness that we always have to defend ourselves? Where is that coming from? You know, like we always have to defend ourselves and tell us, no, you're wrong. Why can't we just be silent and quiet? I think it's one of the hardest things in the world to do. How many kids do you have, Jaime? I have six. You have six. I have five. And obviously, Sometimes our wives get into moods, we get into moods, and it just becomes a, you know, everybody's just dumping everybody's feelings on each other. And then Hashem is expecting us not to answer back and be quiet. Yeah. How do you deal with that yourself? I know I struggle tremendously with that. And I've learned in this just for 20 years. And I'm like, I can't believe, why did I say anything? Why can't I just shut my mouth? And I keep on failing at it. Yeah. And it's one of the hardest things to do. Well, first I have to be very careful because I know my my wife is probably watching, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to. In general, in gen in, in general, the, the, yeah, not yeah. specifically your marriage. In general, being why is Reb Nachman telling us? Well, you know what? That there, our vote is to be quiet. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm going to add on what you're saying. You know, being quiet is. I I'm think, not saying personal. I'm just in no, general I'm, that man's no. job. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think the problem is that we. It's hard to get to, to stay quiet because the wife represents the mirror, the mirror of yourself, really. Uh, Rabbi Nachman says in one of his lessons that if you want to know where you're standing, you need to, to listen to what your wife is saying. So it's, sometimes it's hard truth. You know, she says something. Right. Uh, it, it could be something not relevant to what you're, you're living through, but, you know, you can get through the, through the lines that she's actually giving you a message. And sometimes it's hard to look at ourselves in the mirror and see, oh, I need some corrections, you know? Um, but uh, silencing ourselves, I guess, is, is accepting already that she's the vehicle to be able to communicate what Hashem actually wants from you. And that's very difficult to accept, but that's the truth. You know, that is the right. truth. Uh, God, God manifests himself in this world through a masculine way and through a feminine way. And if you only right. get one side of the story, you'll never get the whole picture. So we need the wife's input. And we need to, in, in order to, to hear what she has to say, 
we're going to have to be quiet. Uh, once you understand that she's the, the window for your opportunity, the window for your ulama ba, because without her, you'll never get to understand what is Hashem about, because she, she represents the pnimut, which is the feminine side of Hashem. It's something that is concealed, it's deep, and it's, it, 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 it deals with the interior side. We're very exterior, okay? And right. if, we're, if we don't connect with her, we're going to be missing a whole piece of the, of the puzzle. It will never understand what Hashem is talking about. So whether she's in a bad mood or not, it's only a reflection of where you're standing. So I would just give you the advice, spend more time in the field, begging Hashem for clarity, begging Hashem to help you uh, listen. And that's how you need to deal with your, uh, with your spouse. That's, that's, that's what it is. But how many people have gotten divorced from this? I mean, this is like vital advice. I mean, I, I, you know, you could look at it as I'm getting verbally abused. I'm with a, I mean, if we don't have these teachings, you, you would say, how, how can I sit there and let somebody verbally abuse me? How can I sit there and let somebody point out my weaknesses? You know, yeah. we're always asked to do the opposite. You need somebody to, to validate you. But there's a time, again, there's a time for the, for the, for the kindness, but there's a time also for that. And, 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 and I think this is the hardest thing for people to understand that she is showing you your, your relationship with God. And I know, for my, I know for a fact that it's when, my, when I start getting sloppy and I start getting comfortable spiritually, whoa, do I get a wake-up call? <laughs> whoa. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes my mindset is like, well, we get into the details of the issues and it has nothing to do with the details. Yeah. This is just an avenue. But what happens is we get stuck a lot in the details. We get stuck in the details. Well, I told you to get this thing. Did you not to get that? Who cares about that thing or that? It's really Hashem sending you the heat from her. And it's really love. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really love. You know what? You're right. You know. say that, you know, sometimes we ask ourselves, this is like, this is a minute issue or it's just details. Let's get over right. it. Let's see the big picture. However, sometimes, you know, we, we learn things and it's still in a theory mode. It's, it's just theory because we didn't put it into theory. practice yet. And uh, 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 the, the spouse is supposed to, to, to she, she's the mouthy. She's supposed to remind you that you need to bring down this light in the mundane. You need to be able to work with it. You know, you need to, to apply it to your children. You need to apply it you know, change the light bulb, you need to apply it. And if you don't, if you can't bring it down and you're just like talking, you know, high level, right? I don't know how right. to bring it down. That means that when she talks about things that are small details and they don't talk to you, it means that you still did not manage to, you know, right. to interiorize the concepts that you're learning. Right. It's a wake up. You know, I, I mean, one of the things I've noticed and is why we keep on getting the same lesson until we pass it. And it, it seems that it's always happening. Like the same lesson is getting caught in both, but it's actually, it's for our benefit. I mean, really, but it's, that's just where people get burnt out and they get frustrated is because they're showing the same lesson over and over and over and again. And, but ultimately this is the biggest clarity in the world to say, okay, well, this is what you got to work on. It's when, it's when we are looking at these lessons and we're taking it as a personal attack from God, but, 
yeah, you're right. It's frustrating to go through the same thing over and over again, but that's because we haven't rectified it. And if we would have rectified it, we would have fixed it. Most of the time, like, it's usually our pride that's in the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Rabbi Nahman keeps on reminding us that pride has to, you know, uh, has to be out of the equation. Uh, the equation. Uh, on that on that subject, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned also from Rabbi Nahman is the is the ability to receive. You know, a lot of people talk about uh, giving, but not a lot of people speak about how to receive, how to become a vessel in order to receive, mm -hmm. and. Um, Ramin Ahman says that the reason why we don't know how to receive is because unfortunately we were poisoned a little way back when uh, by the by the Nachash uh, when we got that curse. Uh, he calls it the Neema de Kisufa, which is the, hmm. the bread of shame. Bread of shame. Yeah. We unfortunately it's in our DNA, and we don't we don't we're uncomfortable receiving uh, something hmm. we work hard for you know uh th th this cliche that if you didn't work hard for it uh you know you shouldn't marry it you shouldn't get it and Abin Ahmad wants to you know uproot this completely and, and make you into a vessel uh that can receive independent of whether or not you you merit or you don't merit and the only the only thing in the way the only obstacle in your way is your feeling of uncomfortableness that you know, uh, you know, I didn't really work hard for it, or I don't merit. If I was just more religious, you know, I'd have the guts to ask this right. from God. All these are mental barriers that are that are that are yeah. stopping you from growing and getting to where you want to get to. There's a you know, right. uh, Yiddish guide should be fun, should be successful. You know, Rabenu says in a lesson that you shouldn't be lacking anything. He says, you shouldn't be lacking anything, not kids. He should, you shouldn't be lacking parnasa, And if you are lacking, you should know that it's your, you're creating your own shadow. You've created your own shadow. And in that lesson, he says that... 172, yeah. Exactly. He says that the light that, that, that should shine on you, he calls it kavod. And I think the reason why he calls it kavod is because it's, it's God's kavod to see his children have everything they want. And when you get into that mind frame where actually letting God give you is actually the thing that he wants the most because he's 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 like ultimately God is a giver. And when you don't let him right. give because somewhere you think you don't deserve or somewhere you don't think you're good enough right. and all these are obstacles that you're creating. You need to get out of your way, get out of your shadow. Let Hashem yeah. bestow his good on you. All he wants since the day one, he created the world. He said, I created the world to show the world how rachum I am, how compassionate I am, how, uh, how patient I am, and how giving I am. But let me do it. Please don't, don't stop me. So in, the only thing that would stop me is if I give you too much and you feel uncomfortable and you say, no, I didn't work for it, then I won't put you in that position. So first we need mm -hmm. to get out of that of that mindset. Limited, limited mindset. It's a limited mindset. The whole, everything is that perspective. And yeah. if you can do that, then you'll see how Hashem can shine on you every day and unlimited funds. Unlimited. Right. Tourism, I, see, I see that a lot. I see that a lot. Tons of people are suffering from a limited mindset. 
They just, they, they don't feel like they deserve it. And if they do deserve it, they almost sabotage it thinking it's never going to stay. So if it's not going to stay. I might as well be in control and root it myself and let Hashem in my life. It's so true. I've seen that so many times, especially in, in, in areas of, of addiction and all that. Sure. I think, I think we need to, and I think that's what Rabbi Nachman is doing. He's kind of rebranding Hashem. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. I think the world has the wrong image of, of Hashem. Correct. Uh, and, and the language, the language is off. I think the language is off. The language is off. And maybe we started somewhere, but we needed to evolve. And Rabbi Nachman said, I'll make sure to take you all the way to Mashiach. Meaning what I'm going to tell you is going to be very relevant all the way to the end. And as we're getting closer to Shabbat, the eternal Shabbat, then the, the feminine aspect of Hashem, which is this Rahmanut and his compassion, is going to take an elevation. And we just need to, you know, align ourselves with it. Because if not, we're just going to miss the boat. There's so much that he wants to give us. You know, Amin Ahmad says, learn from my book. My book comes straight from the light of Shabbat. Uh, yeah. Tell us, you know, when your wife cooks uh, the, the fish on, uh, on Friday, should go and dip into the into the uh, in the pot and take a piece of uh, of, but it's not Shabbat yet. Why are you you know why are you dipping in my pot? Uh, so the Chachamim knew that if you go in and you start tasting, and you start getting pleasure from what is destined in Shabbat, but you bring it in the six days of the week, you can already start living the Gan Eden before you get there. And Rabbi Nachman wanted us to taste a piece of the future already. He's giving us information and advice that is going to be mind-changing and that, you know, you're like, boy, am I alone in the world listening to these things? I mean, the whole world needs to right, be- You feel like that. You feel like that. I feel like that sometimes. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, one of the things that what I try to get people in my classes to understand is that they're too involved in sometimes in the, in the, in the details and they're too involved in the fights and they're too involved in the, this one didn't invite me to the wedding or that one insulted me. There's so much, there's so much small minutia that, and I just want to read a Torah that literally changed my life. And it's, it's less than 77 in, 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 in Sitra Haran in wisdom. And he says, the world is full of strife. There are wars between great powers. There's conflicts between your localities. There's feuds among your family. There's feud amongst your neighbors. He says, life is friction. There's a friction between a husband and wife. And between parents and children, life is short. People die every day. The day that passed will never return. And death comes close every day. But people are still fighting and never remember the goal in life. He says, all strife is identical. The friction between your family is, is the same. I think we all have in our own hearts. We have a democratic heart and we have a Republican heart. <laughs> we have both, we have the wars of the, of the politicians in our own hearts. That's how sometimes what we feel. I lost you. Each person is a miniature world and you might want to live in peace and you have no desire for strife, but you know what he tells you? You're still going to get drawn into the mud. So what, what that lesson taught me is no matter what's going to happen, I'm not going to put too much energy on anything. If this person doesn't want to talk, this person wants to. If this business deal goes bad, if that goes up, Yadalia. don't give so much of your time. Yeah. Your AirPods are out. Oh, hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on. Uh -oh.
Give me a second. D don't give too much. You hear me or no? I hear you. Uh, I hear you, but the quality is not. You hear me? Okay. He's basically saying don't give too much of your energy on anything, because life is short. What do you? What, what? Isn't that an unbelievable perspective? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's what we were talking about at the beginning of the of the shul. Is that where where are your thoughts focused? Where are you where are you putting your energy? Okay, and if you're thinking about these things all day long, then that's what you're going to be attracting. Um, it's, it's, it's important that we know where we want to focus our thoughts. Uh, one of the, of, the, um, of, the, uh, of the lessons that I get from uh, the Sipure Maasiot, uh, the, the stories of Rabbi Nachman, um, the one where the, the son wants to travel to the tzaddik, and uh, the, uh, the father tells him, um, you know, um, why do you want to go there? Things might happen on the way. And while he's walking towards the tzaddik, something happens and the, the horse falls. And the father says, you see, I told you so. We learned from there that, you know, every day we have... Um, I lost Kedalia. Um, I guess I'll just, I'll just speak. Oh, continue, continue. I'll, I'll take over. Continue. Um, you know, we, everyone has a good side and everyone has sometimes uh, a bad side. Isn't it funny sometimes that we run into people that um, only see our good side? <laughs> and sometimes, unfortunately, others only see our good or bad side. Why does it happen that way? And that is a huge lesson in life. In other words, what you look for is what you're going to find. And if I'm looking for something, if my mind is occupied with and focused on something, that is what I'm going to find. And if I have a perspective where, you know what, nobody's out to get me, Nobody's out to cheat me. I actually have emuna in the people that surround me. Then that is what I'm going to see. I'm going to see even if that person or someone else could be malicious or you know not straight, but in regards to me, because my because my vision is focused to look for that good, that is what God is going to present me. So it turns out that where you want to go, that's where we're going to lead you. So be careful where you're going to focus your mind. If you're thinking positive, only positive things are going to come to you. If you're thinking rich, if you're thinking successful, God is going to present you. The, the galaxy is going to present you. The karma is going to present you. All the people who are successful. And if you're not in that mind frame, well, I got news for you. Only those who are not successful are going to show up at your door. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, right. no. I tried it out. It didn't work. And you're going to say, I knew it. I knew it doesn't work. And all they're going to be is reinforcing the bad habit you already have in your mind. So, so careful to what you want to think about. And that's where Rabbi Nachman says, I'll help you. I'll help you focus on what you need to, to, to think about. Beautiful. Beautiful. Very, very nice. So we'll do, we'll do, what do you, what is your last, uh, Jaime, what do you recommend people, especially the ones that are 
are going to make, what should they think about Rosh Hashanah? I, I personally, what, what I came up with my advice is instead of coming up with vision boards, come out with acceptance boards. <laughs> And all the things that you accept and how, how your creators is good to you and all the amazing things that, that have happened to you this year. And whatever, whatever, always, every time Rosh Hashanah, what I do is I really get to a place of, of really acceptance in my heart that I know he's doing absolutely everything to my benefit. And that's usually what gets me in a very, very positive mindset. Yeah. That just working on making sure that I've accepted, you know, unfortunately I'm dealing with my son's cancer. I'm dealing with all kinds of issues. That at the end of the day, I'm not fighting these issues. I'm, like, I'm accepting them. And ultimately, our whole key on Rosh Hashanah is to crown our creator. We're not going there for a shopping list. We're really going there for acceptance. Because if we, if we, unfortunately, without the acceptance, we really can't get to the next level. You can't open up the next chapter in our lives without really accepting the, the previous chapters. Yeah. What is your advice that you recommend for Rosh Hashanah for people? Well, like, like I said, you know, uh, a lot is happening at the level of the Rosh. This is Rosh Hashanah. It's the head. It's the beginning. So you want the beginning to be, you know, uh, you know, you want to start off on the right foot. So the, my first advice is, first of all, try to stay clear from any negative thoughts. Try to think about a lot of positive things. Just positive, positive, positive. You know, don't let you, don't, don't beat yourself down. It's not worth it. It's, you know, this is Yom Adin, it's a day of judgment, but there's also tremendous rachamim on that day, tremendous rachamim, the tzaddikim know it, and that's why um, they even tell us, don't think about negative thoughts, stay very positive, and know that um, it, this might have an impact on your whole year, you know, um, uh, that's, that's number one, and also, you know, uh, you say malchut, you know, kingship, you know, accepting God as your king. Uh, sometimes I hear people say, you know, all I want to do is I want to do God's will. You know, I, I, want, I want my will to be his will, you know. Uh, although that is true and everybody wants to do his will, but I feel there's something missing in, in that. I would tell that person, so you want, you want your will to be God's will. Well, do you know what God's will is? I'll tell you a secret. God's will is actually your will. There's nothing that God wants more. Nothing that God wants more than to make you happy. And that's hard for people to believe. They think it has to be hard. They think it has right. to be struggling. You know, I was reading in the Kutim Moran uh, lesson uh, 116, Mm. Uh, it says that God, God likes mishpat. He likes the law. Justice. He does, he does love like the law to Israel. However, he, he loves Amisfel also. And then Rabbi Nachman goes on to say, but you should know that the love that he has for Amisfel is way much bigger than the law. Right. That is a big lesson right. you have to know. Maybe you can't relate to it. Maybe as a parent, you might. You know, if you're teaching your child you know, and disciplining him. And he feels for a second that the law in the house is more important than the love that you have for him, then you messed up. You messed up. Right. He needs to always feel that no matter what the law is, your love is superior. And sometimes you have to break your own law. And God does that sometimes. You know, Moshe did it. He took the tablets, broke them down, and Hashem okay. said, good for you, good for you. You know, because according to the law, you know, I'm uh, I'm out of the game. <laughs> I look at the tablets, 
everybody's chayab, everybody should, uh, you know. And then Moshe said, if that's the case, I'm going to get rid of it. And Hashem was very happy with his decision. He said, you understood where I was going. So sometimes God says, you know, yes, you need to follow the law, but you have to know that beyond this, my love for you is. So on, on Rosh Hashanah, we need to refocus, understand how important mm. we are to God and how much he wants to give us. But we need to be in a receiving mode. Right. And receiving yeah. mode is already accepting that there is what we call unconditional love. There is what he calls, which is called uh, a, a treasure of free gifts. Free gifts actually right. exist. They exist. I had a hard time with that. I'm like, what do you mean free? Nothing's free in this, in this world. You're wrong. You're wrong. Because there is this concept of free gifts. There is. And sometimes from left field, Hashem just, you know, he shines on you and you're like, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? I don't get it. Right. What, you, what you need to remember is sometimes it's not about what you do right or what you do wrong. It's about the free gift. and believing in his, in his Racham. This is the Tzadikim. They teach us that. So I have a question. So Gedali always talks about sneaky blessings. So is it the same thing? Yeah. Yes. Got it. It's pretty much, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, one of the things that I've said lately that's really worked for me is Hashem, we're in this together. Let's do it together. Like, like as, as a partnership. You know, one of the things I always say, we're in this together and, and the system is made for you to win. That's why I spoke, I, I keep on telling people how important it is both to do to speak, speaking to God, that Hashem will put the words in your own mouth to tell you what you, what you to, to, he'll put the words in your mouth so you can convince him and he can give you. Yeah. This is lesson 124. So you, you're, the system is made for you to win. I mean, it, it's, almost, it's almost like the stock market right now. They're, they're, they're pumping a ton, tons of money just to keep the stock, even though the economy is in, you know what? But there's, the, the market It's still showing because they're, they're, they're just the Fed is, is pump, pumping all kinds of money in the market just to keep it, to keep it alive. And everybody knows that the Fed's going to save the market. But it's, and that's why people are investing in it. But the same thing with, 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 with we need people to understand that you're, 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 it's meant for you to win. You're not meant to lose. That's why I, I can't, I, again, back to the limited mindset. People can't understand. What do you mean it's meant for me to win? It has to be hard. Or, 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 or I've never succeeded in the past. Yeah, because this is the way you were thinking. But you always have to believe I am set up to win. It's like an open book test. The, the, the answers are, it'll come to you. All you have to do is just show up, be honest with yourself, and, and, and everything else works out. And that's what I realized that. We're, it's too, we're too hard a holic. We make things way too hard. And what is it? I, I really like what you said. Like, we, we are set up to win. And yeah. maybe, maybe we can give a practical example of where we, we slip up. You know, um, Famous story of uh, Rabbi Nachman in uh, in the uh, stories of Rabbi Nachman. He's, he he talks about uh, a, um, a, a a poor man that asks his friend for advice. He says like, I really I'm down. I, I don't know what to do anymore. I've got nothing to eat. And they tell him, you know what? Why don't you go to that? Uh, there's a guy that across the street there. He's very rich and very generous. Go to his house. He's gonna he's gonna shower you. Don't worry. You'll eat. You'll be happy. So. 
poor man, you know, goes to the house and somehow messes up the house. Instead of going to the house in front of him, he goes to the opposite house mm. and knocks at the door. Also a very rich guy, very wealthy, but known to be uh, stingy. So he opens the door and he right away, he's like, you know, I heard so many things about you. I heard you're generous. God bless you for all the good that you do. Guys like me, you know, we, we, we don't succeed and we count on people like you. You know, you have such a great reputation. Reputation. Everybody loves you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And he just keeps on going on. And then that, that rich man, he's like, I think I know what's happening. He messed up the house again. He's supposed to be in front. He's at my house. You know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take advantage. Tells him, you know what? I guess you're hungry. Come on in. Comes in. Tells him, uh, you know, before you get to, to eat anything, I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, get you to, you know, to, to cut some wood and uh, get the water going. Makes him work four or five hours, and the poor guy is he's working so hard, so so hard. And he's thinking to himself, is it even worth it? Is it even worth it? At the end of the day, he finishes. The rich man tells him, you know what? You worked very hard. You deserve now to have a good meal. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go out this door straight towards that uh, house in front. And don't worry, over there, you're gonna eat, uh, you know, uh, you're gonna eat uh, uh, everything that you want. So he walks out, he starts walking. In the meantime, the other rich guy uh, sees him, at, you know, coming towards him, he sees him, he comes out. He starts to greet him. Come, you know, you look tired, let me help you. He tells his butler, go get him some slippers, get the shower going. What, you like steak? Let me get you some steak. He fixes him up uh, a nice table. The guy comes down, showered, everything you want. There's wine, the steak, everything. He starts eating, gets dessert. He's really treated like a king. And then at one point, he's like, you know what? At one point, I thought to myself, is it even worth it? All this work. And I'm looking at this food. It's amazing. I, I, I'm happy I stuck around. You know, I'm happy that I stuck around. So the rich guy tells him, um, tell me, you, you said you worked. Where did you work? He said, well, all the wood that you made me, you know, cut in the other house. All that stuff that I did. He goes, oh, I got it. I got it. I know what happened. So he tells him, I want you to know something. This is Rabbi Nachman's lesson here. He tells him, I want you to know that everything you did in that house, all the work that you've done, you did it for free. And everything you ate here, you ate it for free. Remember not to mix those folders, okay? That is our problem. Problem is that we always think there's cause and effect and consequences. We need to separate the folders. The fact that Hashem loves us unconditionally is one thing. You want to go out there, you want to do mitzvot, do them. Do the mitzvot. Do as many as you can. And, but don't start thinking if I do Don't this, commingle. Don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't cross-reference here. Stay. You have always two folders. This one thing has nothing to do with that. And when you stay in that mind frame, then all the opportunities are welcome. Because now it's not dependent on if, where, if I was good or not. That's if Hashem wants to give me Paranasa, he's going to give it to me. Now, I worked. I enjoyed it. I did it. That's another story. But don't mix the folders. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's, and you also have to believe, like somebody was just saying here, you have to believe it's going to work also. It's, that's another thing is the belief, the, 
it's usually the six inches between the mind and the heart that's stopping a, that's stopping a person from thinking. Well, it's the belief. You have to also believe. Like you know, every every time I get an obstacle, I'm already so obsessed with the cheesecake party that I'm throwing, the victory party that I'm doing, and 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 because I, I believe it's going to work out. Why can't I believe? Well, how do you know it's not going? How do you know maybe it's not going to work out? I don't even think that way. You have to believe that it's going to work out for you. You have to believe that either something that happened to you, it's either a cleansing or it's a bigger vessel. But you are, I always believe from day one, I am set up to win. When I think I'm set up to win, there's no victims. There's only co-creators. Now co-create your party. That means if it's going to, if it's going to, now you also have to be patient. I think that's where the people are, are having a hard time with. They want it tomorrow. It doesn't mean it's going to come tomorrow. It can come in six months. That's where you have to get out of the way. But you, the key is you have to believe in the chesed of Hashem and you're meant to win. And that's why we want to, that's really what the, it, it. Anyway, my, my, my ears are cut off, so I'm going to let you finish. And uh, it was beautiful having you. Thank you so much. I was just going to say like one last thing. Rabbi Nachman talks about azudik uh, dusha, which means like, having a little bit of audacity in, in your tefillah. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are, they tell me, you think I can ask this from God? I, I'm embarrassed. Like, even if you get over the, I merit, I don't merit, but there still needs a little bit of audacity to ask things. Sometimes, you know, you want to ask things that are not so spiritual. You know, you need a break. You need to go to Miami. You need to take some time off. And you feel like, who am I to ask such a thing? This is also another barrier, a mental barrier. God is your best friend. You need to get into that mind frame that he wants your best in, in the level that you are on. If your level right now is taking a break to Miami, well, then that's where you need to, you know, this is what you need to talk to with Hashem. And, and you'll, 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 you'll see that he wants your success in the level that you are. That's where he wants it, not where he is, where you are. So all these are, are, are tools that we get need to get over with and realize that, like he said, um, you got to think success, but you have to also know that Hashem wants your, he wants your success more than you want it, actually. He wants you to succeed in where you're at and whatever it is. So you need to not let, not hold back on anything. I mean, I don't let anything go by. I talk to him about everything in my life. Things that sometimes are just like, it could be anything. It could be just anything. And the minute that you hold back and you say, you know what? Oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. You know, what is he going to think of me? Already you're losing out. You're talking about your father. We say, Alvinu Malkenu, your father. Your father has no judgment. He, 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 he looks at you with uh with, with loving eyes he protects you and he cheers for you and he wants your success that's a father and that's what you need to, to keep in mind all the time so Jaime I have a question in regards to tefillah so Gildali always talks about scoreboard watching you know just say the tefillah and let it go but uh, what if someone is just praying to get something, to find their zivug, to, to get that business deal done, to, to make that move forward? Like how much of the prayer, how much does he have to put in both into tefillah and the effort of getting the deal done or getting married? 
Yeah, so Rabbi Nachman in, in Gedalia speaks a lot, a lot about perfecting the speech. However, just mm -hmm. like I said at the beginning, your mind frame also plays a big role. So now, when you're asking for zivug, when you're asking for anything, if in your mind, somewhere in your mind, uh, you feel that maybe there's a doubt whether or not you are deserving or whether or not you're holy enough or whether or not uh, you did the right things lately, then you're already behind the eight ball. So you got to get out of that mind frame in order to, to, to receive. And when you receive, you have to do a, a, a bitul, a complete bitul of your accounting. Get out of the accounting. If you get in accounting, you're a loser right away. Right. Your tefillah is synonymous with Rahmanut. Rahmanut means I'm merciful. Right. Merciful means I don't take an account your 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 scoreboard, and get your scoreboard out. You know, get your scoreboard out, and whether you're doing good or you're doing bad, get it out of the equation. You're asking him because because you love me, because you're crazy about me. That's why you want to give me the zivud. You want to give me the panasah. Right. You want me to succeed because I'm representing your kavod. That is the arguments you need to have with Hashem and you need to argue yourself way inside. Exactly. Those we have to recognize, beautiful. You have to understand the reason why scoreboard watching and, 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 and you have to keep your eyes on is because again, when, when you're trying to scoreboard watch and you're playing with expectations, it's rooted in fear and it's rooted in control. So if you're controlling, how could you let God in? Exactly. You're trying to control. There's no way God can come in if you're controlling. That's why you really have to surrender all of this stuff before, whether it's guilt, whether it's shame, whether it's fear, whether it's any of these emotions, you really have to surrender them because these, what you're doing really is, you're just trying to, they're all in a sense of control. And that is the opposite of, of that's the ego. God, how could God come in if you're trying to control everything? You know, I always wondered why Rabbi Nachman said, um, that if he would have came to, in the world just to tell the story about the seven beggars would have been enough. And I'm like, you know, seven beggars doesn't sound so good, beggars, you know. Beggars seems like, you know, it's like, like a negative. Like who wants to be a right. beggar in this world? I think it was giving us a lesson. I think I think it's giving us a secret. Saying you get into that mode, be a beggar. Beggar, beggar means it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Just open your arms and say, listen, I'm begging you, God. I'm begging you. There you go, begging exactly. You. And I Beautiful. think that's what I, he wanted to tell you is that those seven beggars, like that. each one brought something to the table, but they're still beggars. And that's what we need to be in this world. We have to learn how to be Beautiful. a beggar. Beautiful. I love it. Beggar and smile. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Any, any more questions, uh, Rio? There's Good? A There's a ton of questions. Okay. So please ask them away. Yes. Okay. Ask so them away. How can you do Hidbodidud without having too much distractions in your mind? Yeah. You know, I, I, let me answer this. Um, I think I, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in Likute Moran is there's a little Torah that talks about Hidbodidud. And I was perplexed when I saw that Rabbi Nachman said that when you go out to speak to Hashem and you do Hidbodidud, then it's a great thing. And I was like, what? When you go out to speak to God and you do it, I thought it was speaking to God. I didn't understand, but then I read it and I read it and I understood. 
that Hidbudidut is not necessarily having the conversation with Hashem. It's mostly, it's foremostly, first of all, being alone, to seclude yourself. The word Hidbudidut comes from the word Badad, but that means to seclude. Now, when you go somewhere, anywhere, and you seclude yourself, even though you haven't spoken, that in itself, Rabbi Nachman says, is grandiose. And if you end up just sighing to him, it's grandiose. And if you end up screaming, it's incredible. And then if actually some words come out, it's, it's amazing. So uh, if we already know that going somewhere and, 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 and stopping whatever we're doing to be alone with Hashem, even for a few minutes, even though I don't have anything to say, but I'm alone with him, in itself, it's incredible. You know, I always tell this story. Um, Rabbi Nachman says in a, in a lesson, he says that uh, uh, if somebody comes to speak with God and he's like, he's pacing back and forth and then he sits down, gets up and he says, Hashem. it's very precious in God's eyes. And I'm like, what's so precious? You know, you're pacing, you're sitting, you're not really doing anything. And then I learned the lesson. One day my son came to see me. He says, Dad, I have to tell you something so important. But I need your attention. Mm -hmm. So I said, no problem. He, go ahead, sit down. So I, I see him. He says, no, I want you to pick the time. No problem. I gave him the time. He shows up. He sits down. He tells me, okay, let me gather my thoughts. I said, go ahead. Then I see him. He gets up. He starts pacing. <laughs> sits back down. <laughs> What's wrong? He says, wait, I got to make it right. I got to tell you exactly what I want to tell you. And then I see that he's nervous. Now, all of, all of this time as he's pacing, getting up and sitting down, I'm thinking to myself, whatever he's going to ask me, I'm going to say yes. Because I see that it's important for him. And wow. he, he found Chen he found in my eyes. He found a place in my heart because he, it was important for him. What's important for him is important for me. Beautiful. Abhi Nachman tells you, listen, everything you do is so precious. Don't undermine anything. So again, Tfila, it takes That's time. That's a great, beautiful example. Beautiful example. Beautiful. Okay, so. Beautiful. The next question, uh, we were talking about... Uh, we have to stay quiet. People want to know, is that applied to the woman? Does the wife have to stay quiet as well? <laughs> I think, yeah, go ahead. I mean, listen, maybe with their husband, it's a different story, but obviously they have to know how to, their power of speech is tremendous, but definitely stay quiet when other people insult them. Yeah. And with other family members, that's for sure. Because remember, the rewards for staying quiet is a cleansing. You get a major cleansing. The rewards for, for, for basically answering back is basically you're feeding into the ego, which is all they want to do is answer back. So when you're, when you're quiet, you, you get a tremendous cleansing. And that cleansing is for other, other things that we've done. We need to understand that. Cleansings come to us, not because we're, we're, we're crystal clear. It's because we have a lot of schmutz in our head. We have a lot of messes that we've created. So Hashem wants to clean us very, really quick. I, I was telling the story, Jaime, that I was with Chacham Avadi Yosef 10 years ago, may rest in peace. And normally he gives you like this. He whacked me in the face, like, like my face, like literally turned like this. It's, 
and it was embarrassing. It was in front of tons of people. He says, you had a lot of din on you. You had a lot of judgment on you. I had to smack it out of you. So that's the way. So when people embarrass us and people insult us, you're ultimately getting a tremendous amount of cleansing. So you don't want to be the one fighting. You want to be the one getting, letting it go. Second thing is, you have to understand another unbelievable Torah that I was taught, that you never want to pursue anybody. Because what happens is when you pursue people, Hashem is going to send you a bigger headache that you're going to forget about that person. You always want to be the pursued, not the pursuee. You don't want to be the one pursuing. And Rav Nachman talks about that. Never be the guy attacking that person. Never be the guy going after him because you're going to get a much bigger headache that you're going to even forget about that person. So always remember that. Beautiful. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman always says you should be the simcha. What if someone is feeling depressed and this person accepts these feelings of being depressed? Is that considered being the simcha because they're actually going into bitul? Um, Go ahead. Rabbi Nachman is very clear on depression. He doesn't actually give us any... Uh, openings on that. Uh, we there's there's absolutely no excuse to be depressed. Uh, he goes as far as saying that you need to to do things that make you happy. You have to do even silly things. Do whatever it takes, but get yourself out of that. There's right. you can't be depressed not for a minute. It's called avodazara basically. It's like telling God you're not happy with the way He created the world. You're not happy with your lot. You're not happy with yourself. It's like spitting in God's face. You're not allowed to get into depression. You're allowed to have a broken heart, feeling of, uh, of, of, of like, you know, that you may be far from Hashem or far from your goals, but you can't get into a depressed, uh, depressed mode. And the truth is, if, if you're depressed, it's you're, you're lacking you're lacking Amuna, you're lacking that, you need to go out there, learn some more, or you need to find things that make you happy, whatever they are. It's usually a blemish in, in a Muna and Dat. I mean, that's perspective and, and the way you're doing it. Yeah. Okay, so the next question. Um, the person, I tried to answer them to the best as I could via text. Um, they were just a little shocked how two days, the two days of Rosh Hashanah, you could affect your whole year. So I responded saying that you got to believe it for it to work. And this person responded saying that I, I don't believe that makes sense. So... How should I, how would you respond to that? How, I, mean, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. Well, listen, it, it, look at it in a positive way. You know, uh, you can affect your whole year. That's incredible. Meaning there's a reset of the mind. In other words, whatever you're dragging can be completely converted on that day. And it's true the beginning of the year can have an impact of, on, on your whole year. Nothing wrong with that. On the contrary, I look at it as an opportunity right now. I can reset right. everything. You know, I wish I can get a new, a new head start. So I think that it's just a perspective. Wow, I get a new chance. I'll never forget. Right. Look at it as a positive. Look at it as a positive. I'll never yeah. forget. Look at it as a positive. And, 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 uh, it was like the last fila, it was Musaf, and Rav Aryeh Deri came in um, by, uh, by surprise, and he gave an incredible Vach uh, Torah, and I remembered one little thing. He said, I know we're at the last hour, 
And right now we're gonna we're about to 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 sound the shofar. And I want you to know what kavana you should have while we're sounding the shofar. Uh, most of you think that because we're at the last hour, whatever was sealed is sealed. But I want you to know that it's not the case. And he gave us incredible, he took the word shofar. He says, if you take what we call the pnimut of the shofar, meaning you take all the letters, and let's say the shin is written shin yud nun. You take the yud and the nun. And the pei, you take the hey, and then you keep on going like that. You take the interior of the word shofar, the words come out en yeush. What he's trying to tell us is that the last minute, when you're hearing the shofar, you have to know no despair. Everything can change now. I can set my whole my whole year right now. It only takes one correct thought at the right time, and you impact your whole year. So even though Maybe the first 72 hours, you're like, you're not in the right place. But the last few hours, you take yourself, you know, in hand, you change everything. Even on the last... But also you have 30 days, you have Elul, you have 30 days to prepare. And then you have also to Yom Kippur to seal the judgment. And then you have the Hoshana Rabbah. And some people, you have the Hanukkah. It's not like you have two days, really. You really have, there's a ton of, there's a ton of room for, for a person to, 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 to upgrade, upgrade the deal. I don't. I wouldn't think. Hey, you, you know, those two days you're gonna. You, you have a lot of time to upgrade the deal, and upgrade the the deal in heaven you're gonna get. I think, I believe. It's not like it's just two days. Elbow is thirty days before you get. You're preparing. You know, it's a whole. It's a whole concept. I think. So Jaime, people... again, again, remember, guys, you are meant to win. We have to get that in mind. With winning in mind, please. We're not here. I don't think I, I, the belief that Hashem's out to get you and He's out to give you two days, so He's going to screw up your whole year. We, we have to really get rid of that limited mindset. We have to believe we are here to win. And, and I, if you sit in Uman and Jaime's a witness, we're dancing. We're dancing on Rosh Hashanah. We're dancing like we already won. There's no, there's no crying. There's, we're dancing and we're happy. We're enjoying. You're almost celebrating the victory already. You're celebrating the good year. You're celebrating the happiness. You're celebrating the joy, the the goodness that's going to come, the gratitude. That's why I, I, I can't. There's no price to to point it. And I think that's what gets us in such a mindset that we are able to go. And I know Jaime's gone through tremendous challenges himself, and the challenges keep on going. And we're not telling you your problems are going to go away. What we're going to tell you is you're going to have a different head to deal with them. But your whole boat's not going to sink. I'm not telling you my son's going to get cured in a month. No, it's going to take a year. But why should I stop my classes? Why should I have a horrible relationship with my wife? Why, sh- why should I? It doesn't mean the whole boat has to sink. Your problems are not your life. Keep them in a different department. Okay, that's one issue. This is another issue. <laughs> but you're going to have a different mindset on how to deal with it instead of saying, this is who I am. This is personal reality became my personality. And this is who I am. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid that at all costs. Very well said. Anything Hi, else good, Uriel? Hey, people want to know where they could come and listen to you in Montreal. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, well, um, I, I'm, we're not recording any classes. We're, do, we're giving classes every week, but we're not recording. Uh, that could change. That could change. 
I, I, I have no idea why you why you don't have that going on right now, Jaime. I have no idea why you don't have a Montreal version of this. Yeah. No idea well, why. Definitely inspiring uh, me a lot. Uh, I just I gotta get. Just... That's why I'm. You should know this is why I did this today to you. You should know that because I said, uh, why are you not doing this yourself? Yeah. Well, definitely gave me some courage. So, good, good. We got you out of the box. Keep those emails, and uh, uh, once we launch it, uh, we'll, uh, we'll at least have a base. That's a and I know Jaime is an expert storyteller. One thing I never had patience for stories. But you're very good at the stories. Me, I, I don't. I, my ADD can't handle the stories. But uh, I get I get lost in the first beggar. After the first beggar, you go all the way to seven beggars. After the first one, I'm checked out. I hear you. I hear you. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so just anything, one, anything else? Okay. There's a lot of questions, but this is a really good question. What will you recommend to start Rosh Hashanah with when you want to clean the past year and heal to receive all the new blessings coming? I think I think I, I, I uh, answered that question. I think that uh, number one is Ben Adam Nachavero. I mean, you need to you need to to try to quench that along with the people that are around you and make sure that there's no hard feelings anywhere and just try to have a, a cuz you know it's ben, ben adam la la khaviro is what counts uh, god himself he he's okay with you he's just to make sure that you know your family your friends uh, call your parents mechila you know i think that's you know that's what the good start yeah. Tomer Devora is a good start. Tomer Devora is a good start. But again, Rav Nachman really tells us the key is having positive thoughts. I mean, if you look at the symbolisms of the food that we eat, we eat the pomegranate, we eat the fish, we eat the honey. All of these things are to, are to tell your mind, listen, think, think positive. You're not even allowed to eat nuts on, on Rosh Hashanah because of the concept of head, of being a sin. The, the, the key is you have 24 hours to focus on abundance, positivity, the new you, that's really the key. Not to fall into, is it going to be another year like this again? COVID in your head, BML protest, get that crap out of your head. That's the bottom line. Get this COVID out of your head. Get this Black Lives Matter protest out of your head. Get New York City out of your head. Get all this crap out of your head. So when you get to get the media out of your head, get Biden, Trump, and all these people, get them out of your head. And when you go in there, just think of, I'm here to crown the king. I'm here to become the new person. It's all this garbage that we have in our head that are, it's, 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 it's a static of seeing things clearly. That's why I go to Uman, because it's, I'm completely away from everything. And my focus there is, is, is just unbelievable. So I try to get myself in a good focus. Obviously, those who can't make it, Inside your mind, read a lot of Torah, read a lot of inspirational stories, have a lot of gratitude, accept everything. Don't go there with lack. Don't, don't, don't come to Hashem with lack financially. Say that, you know what, if, 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 this, the whole point is keeping the vessels open for Hashem to receive. Okay. Good. There's just one more question. Um, you spoke about, uh, Gedalia, you spoke about when you receive something that you didn't pray for, you should be a little shocked, right? So how does that go hand in hand with, uh, you know, getting uh, free gifts from Hashem? Uh, 
Right. Spiritually, spiritually, Rabbi Rush says if you, if, you, if you receive something that you didn't pray for, it could be a problem spiritually. So, yes, there is Matanaskin, I'm in business, but spiritually, it's a whole different method. There, you do have to grind. There, you do have to put the effort in. There, you do have to be aggressive. So, it's like they, they, or they just say that if, if somebody tells you they learned Torah, they didn't toil for it, don't believe them. So, spiritually, yes, that you do have to have the grind. But financially, you don't have you don't have to put all the effort in the world. Kill yourself to receive. That makes a big difference between spiritually and financially. Okay. Good. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I, I mean, God bless you. I'll see you. I'll see you next week. God willing. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Bye bye.